Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Rodrigo, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional Cindy Miller, and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf Show. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning. <laughs> How are you doing for this bright and early Tuesday morning? <laughs> I'm doing good, honey. How are you? <clears throat> I'm I'm doing fanta- fantastic. We've actually been having. Some sunny weather here for the last week or so, uh, but I think we might be getting into some rain because of the uh, uh, hurricane over in the Texas area, and apparently now it's uh, going to be making its way through Louisiana uh, and has been making its way through. So uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to not only the folks in Texas, but uh, uh, those in, in uh, New Orleans and, and other areas uh, in that south uh, part of the United States. Uh, lots of flooding going on, so everybody be safe and, and pay attention to your local newscast um, but we're glad that you're joining us here this morning on the women of golf uh, got a great show for you this morning sitting there of course are going to start off with another discussion here in just a few minutes uh, we're going to talk about the short game uh, this morning just uh, a few points there and then a little bit later on in the second half of the show we're going to be joined by Christina Thompson the CEO and founder of golfforher.com uh, a great online uh, pro shop if you will uh, geared obviously for women so uh, we're going to talk to her in the second half of the show but let me just uh, Cindy, remind everybody very quickly uh, that we are live every Tuesday mornings uh, unless otherwise stated uh, from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern time uh, on blogtalkradio.com uh, just go to blogtalkradio.com and up the search key uh, you can type women of golf or just add a forward slash on blogtalkradio.com and add women of golf there and that'll take you to the main page and of course on the live broadcast we are front and center uh, but for some reason, if you're not able to join us, uh, you can still go to that link, blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf, and uh, just scroll down to the on-demand section, and you can listen to the show. The uh, previously recorded shows, as well as today's show, will be on there afterwards, uh, the recorded version, so you can listen to it when it's convenient. And as I mentioned many times before, we're also available at iTunes.com and Stitcher.com. If you go to either of those uh, media platforms, and again, just type in Women of Golf, you can listen to uh, the Women of Golf show on either of those uh, platforms as a podcast. So uh, be sure to check us out, and we thank you for all of your continued support. And don't forget, we always love to hear from you, or you're welcome to call into the show during the live Tuesday morning broadcast. Uh, The number to call is area code 347-945-5855. And uh, also, if you're interested in being a guest on the show, if you're somebody in the golf profession, uh, you don't necessarily have to be a player or a teacher professional. You could just be maybe an entrepreneur or maybe you've written a great book uh, to help uh, a lot of those folks out there uh, in the golfing world. We would love to hear from you. So you can reach out to either Cindy, I, uh, Cindy or I, and her email is cindy at cindymillergolf.com. And uh, mine, of course, is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. And again, thank you, everybody, for uh, joining us this morning. Um, Cindy, just very quickly before we start into our discussion um, I was just asking before we went live, uh, you're going to be heading out. We're not going to have a show, by the way, uh, so I'm advising you now. We will not have a show next Tuesday, which is the 5th of September. Um, Cindy's going to be away. Where are you going, Cindy? I am going to Pinehurst for the LPGA TNCP National Championship, uh, which is going to be contested Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then Wednesday evening, I'm flying to Boston, for the Legends Tour BJ's Charity Classic, which is Thursday morning, which is like, holy cow, I hope my flight hasn't canceled. And then Friday, <laughs> there's another extra tournament with BJ's where there's a team atmosphere. There's 24 players, 12 teams. The front nine is best ball, and the back nine is a scramble, and I'm playing with Lori West. 
So I've been invited to play in that, and I'm thrilled. First place is 10000 each, and last place is 5000 wow. each. Oh, I feel not, special. Yeah, not too sh- not too shabby. That's right. That's a great thing. So, um, well, good luck in, in both, Cindy. Um, I, we're always rooting for you, and I know that you'll always bring the best of your game. And we're going to talk a little bit about the short game here in just a second. Um, but um, one of the things I also wanted to uh, mention as well, Cindy, very quickly, where we've got a few minutes, is you've come up with a great product to help those that maybe struggle a little bit of their game. Uh, it's called the Learn to Hit It Kit. Uh, give them a quick promo on that, and then we'll start in our discussion. Yes, I created the Learn to Hit It Kit for those people who are too busy, really, to go uh, for a lesson, a golf lesson after work, so busy professionals who really don't have time. And uh, it includes a portable mat, so you can really go out in your backyard or even in your living room, to be honest with you. It's got foam golf balls. It's got a, my Golf 101 book for professionals. And it's got a 10-module online course with PDFs attached to help explain what I'm trying to teach you in the 10-module course. So basically, you could sit there with your iPad laying on the ground and practice swinging in your living room or your backyard and learn how to play. And you get all of that for $99. And you can find it at learntohititkit.com or on Amazon if you click Learn to Hit It Kit. Perfect. So make sure, folks, that you, uh, after the show, uh, visit either the website or Amazon and get yourself uh, one of the kits. It's, it's a great product, and Cindy's put a lot of hard work over the years and preparing for all of the things that she does, so it's definitely well worth it, so make sure you check it out. Thank you, Cindy, for that. Um, all right, we're going to talk a little bit about the short game, Cindy, um, before our guest Christina comes on a little bit. Um, and there's a lot of components uh, to the short game. Obviously, one of the components, uh, key components, is solid wedge play. If you look at any of the professionals, whether it's on the ladies or the men's tour, um, the better players are always very, very competent uh, with their wedge play. And that's because, um, you know, they need to, to be able to be solid in their ball striking, but also they need to be um, able to, to dial in when need be in order to go for the shots for the green or around the green. So um, just in your mind, Cindy, from, and you're certainly welcome to use your own game in that, what are some of the key components that most amateurs fail at uh, when it comes to wedge play? What are some of the things, that commonalities that you see that they seem to struggle with when it comes to, to using their wedges? Well, I got to back up, and I just want to remind everybody, I, again, I'm playing in a couple tournaments coming up, and I have not changed my grips. So you guys need to realize how important it is to check your grips and make sure they're not too slippery. So we changed my grips. And you also want to check your golf shoes. So those of you who use cleats or spikes, you know, needless to say, plastic spikes, not metal spikes, but um, make sure you change your spikes. I don't know that people really pay attention to that. But um, so, again, I changed my grips and changed my spikes so I'm ready to roll. But what I see people doing is using the wrong wedge for the wrong shot at the wrong time. And what I mean by that is some of the – people that I teach when we do these playing lessons they've got a pitch and run or a chip and run shot and they've got a lot of green to work with and they've got their 60 degree wedge in their hand and I said (laughs) even if you hit this good it's not going to get there unless you kill it and then it's going to go by the hole so the rule of thumb is keep it as low as possible and the more you let it roll the more you can mess up and make it work and she or he who misses the best without getting ticked off wins. So remember to take a, a club that rolls more, play it right foot is roll, left foot is loft if you're right-handed. So put the ball back mm-hmm. on your right foot if you want it to roll and put it on your left foot if you want it to be lofty. Um, and the opposite is true for left-handers. And make sure that you figure out like landing at a third and letting it roll two-thirds. What do you find? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, the reason why I, I chuckle a little bit when you said, as soon as you mentioned the 60-degree wedge, is, you know, a lot of times when I'm working with some of my corporate uh, students, I'll say, well, you know, grab your wedge, 
and you know we're gonna we're gonna work uh, on some shots here. And the first thing they grab out of their bag is their 60 degree wedge. And I said, why did you grab that? Well, you know, I need to get it up in the air. And I said, yeah, but you're not that you're not hitting over a target. In other words, you're not hitting over a bunker or some other obstacle. So you don't really need a lot of loft. And I'm sort of the same school as you, Cindy, as I believe, you know, keep it as low as possible. Uh, obviously there's options or opportunities when you need to get a little bit higher. Uh, but, you know, keep it low uh, for a number of reasons. First off, um, and I see this all the time, especially with people hitting their 60 degree wedges, they go right underneath it. They take a full swipe at it and the club face literally goes right underneath the ball and if they do make a little bit of contact it might get up in the air but it doesn't go very far and they're just not getting the distance they need and you're right it should be moving about two-thirds um and i i just think and you're right i i want to go back to a point that you made in the very beginning which was spot on i don't know how many um you know folks that i get out on the lesson tee that i'll look at their grips and there's such a shine on them i mean i've I haven't seen a spit shine on a pair of shoes in the military as shiny as some of the grips I've seen. And it's just incredible. And they say, well, I don't really play that long yet, but when was the last time you changed your grip? Well, about five years ago. And I said, you can't play like that. Um, now, uh, again, the spikes as well, that's another issue. You know, I'll see some golfers, I'll, you know, I'll watch them as they're walking and as their feet are starting to curl up, I'll notice that there might be one or two or more spikes missing out of the bottom of their shoe or the cleats that they, they're uh, that screw in and you know they wonder why they don't have good balance they're there for a reason and uh, you know like you Cindy I, I agree I think that you have to make sure number one that your equipment is properly prepared and then I think you may have to make sure that you're making the proper cl club selection when it comes time one of the things that also I see too is and I don't know if you if you see this is the ball position I know you've mentioned this uh, where it should be played but um, you know, I'll see players that need to hit more of a, a low running shot and they'll play it way up towards their left uh, foot. So obviously they're not going to hit a very low shot like that. Um, is ball position something that you try to focus on as well to make sure that they're, they're in the correct position when they're using their wedges? Yes. yes. Well, I, I think number yep. one, we have to help them choose the right shot for the right situation. And I think that's mm -hmm. a big deal. You know, I think that, uh, some people don't really know um, uh, how to choose a shot. And I think to help them identify the obstacles in their way and what's the best way to get through this. And again, you know, miss it somewhere close to the hole. Yeah. I, I think what's happened is, and, and I could be wrong, but I, I think what's happened is, you know, too many amateur golfers see what the pros are doing and they try to emulate it. I'll give you an example. You know, years ago when Tom Kite, uh, there was a lot of buzz on the tour. Uh, he had four wedges in the bag um, more often than not when he was playing in his tournaments. And that sort of became a, uh, a big deal at the time. So, of course, other pros uh, were doing similar and, um, you know, not a big deal. A lot of amateurs thought, well, maybe I need to have three or four wedges in my bag too. So they started going out and getting all the wedges. But the problem was they couldn't use the one they already had in the bag very well. And now they've just added two or three more. And, you know, I know folks that can take one wedge, might be their pitching wedge, um, and can play all kinds of shots. Lee Trevino was a great example. Now, I know he does use more than one wedge, but Lee Trevino can take pretty much any wedge in the bag and hit a high, low, uh, you know, shot, whatever he needs, which is that one wedge. And I think that you have to learn how to use the clubs and use the loft properly before you worry about adding more clubs into the bag and just making a whole mountain of mess. And I, I think that, you know, the more time that you practice um, proper technique, and that is remembering with the, with the irons, folks, is that you're hitting down on the ball. You're not scooping or trying to help lift it in the air. The club face and the loft and, and the lie will do that for you. Um, and I think that's a mistake that a lot of people do is they, they play it too far forward and think, okay, I've got to kind of, you know, hit at it and, and almost sweep it and, and get a, a little bit of an uplift with it when I hit the ball. And that's not the case with the wedge. You want to hit down and impart that backspin, and the, the club face will do the job for you. And that's something that I see a lot with uh, some of the, the amateur golfers. Uh, how about you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I just don't know that they're aware. And I think sometimes you need to re, 
you need to find a, a shot that you're comfortable with. And then what you can yes. do is you can jerry-rig that shot. So I tell my students, you can either use the same club and change your swing, or you can yep. use the same swing and change your club. And you need to figure out which way you want it to be. Right. You know, another, another thing, just going back to Tom Kite real quick, one thing that he talked about, he did, you know, a number of uh, videos, a number of, of spots over the years, uh, whether it be on the Golf Channel or, or other networks. And one of the interesting things that he always talked about was just very uh, quick adjustment with his um, grip as far as uh, choking down in the club, um, again, ball position, uh, he could take the same club and hit multiple different shots that he might need on that any given day in a golf course. And that's, you know, so important. And the same thing with Lee Trevino, as I mentioned, um, this is what they did is they made some very minor adjustments and were able to execute all kinds of different shots based on the shot that they needed at that particular time. So uh, I guess what we're saying folks is this first off, as Cindy pointed out, make sure that your equipment, uh, make sure that the grips, um, are, 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 are in good shape and not slick and slippery um, that the club face is going to be twisting and turning or even slipping out of your hand and then also uh, your shoes as well make sure that the spikes in the bottom uh, are in good shape and if they're getting worn or need to be replaced for those that uh, can replace them um, then you need to do so and that's something that you need to ch check depending on how much golf you play but certainly at least once a year if you're just a uh, an occasional golfer but somebody that plays a lot of rounds uh, throughout the year, you want to be checking, uh, checking them regularly and making sure that one, you're not missing any, but two, that some of them haven't been broken or, or worn out, uh, or, or as I said, missing all complete. Um, so make sure you do that. And then, um, what you need to do is make sure that you're executing proper technique and that's where your teacher professional can help you out on, on the practice tee. Um, the next, uh, I guess, section as well, uh, for the short game, Cindy is, uh, chipping, uh, you know, we want chipping techniques, I guess, that deliver um, uh, the results that we want. And chipping, again, is uh, a shot that we want to have uh, very, very little air time uh, and lots of roll. Um, give us your thoughts on that, Cindy, and then I'll add a few as well. Well, again, you've got to decide which shot. And if you're on the edge of the green, um, we teach a couple of different shots. We teach an elephant trunk swing, which would be, you know, play the ball back in your stance, put your hands forward, your weight on your left, your front foot, I should say, whether you're left or right-handed. And then um, just swing your arms back and through, and you're de-lofting the club, mm -hmm. and it's going to roll. The catch is that that shot usually comes off the face pretty fast. And you could use anywhere from a 7, 8, 9 pitch gap sand wedge for that shot, depending mm -hmm. on how far you want it to fly and how far you want it to roll. And then we teach a shot called the chop shot, which is what Alan uses. Um, Alan has trouble with the elephant trunk, which is the stiff arm shot. And he right. was taught this shot by Lee Trevino. And hmm. basically you play it almost outside of your right foot or your back foot. And it's 99% wrist. You just hinge your wrist up and chop right down on it, which is great out of Bermuda rough. Um, Alan wow. uses it everywhere. He uses it on the first cut or the fringe and in the rough and bad, you know, bad lies, which is great. Use a sand wedge for that shot. And then the third shot is a putting chip. And if you're in the first cut or you have a really good lie right next to the green and you would prefer to, um, if you would prefer to really Cut it, but you can't because there might be a lump in front of you or a divot or something. Right. Then the putting chip, you take like a seven, eight, nine pitch and you address it if it's, as if it's your putter. So the toe's going to yeah. be on the ground and the heel's going to be way up, and then you just kind of do a little putting stroke and it'll plop right over the and, and it'll be great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I the first two I, I'm I'm with you on that. Now, obviously, I'm not familiar with the the chop that uh, that Lee Trevino has taught. Um, I, I believe I've seen him do it before, but um, that's certainly one that obviously I haven't incorporated. But the the first two definitely, um, you know, I have with with my students as well. And I think the key thing is, as you pointed out, Cindy, is you know there's really a variety of clubs. Um, I've used a seven iron. Uh, for some of my chips, if I've got uh, a hole cut in the very back of the green, if it's a long uh, green and I need a lot of roll, 
obviously I don't want to be using a wedge because it's going to stop well short and not get the, the run out that I need. So I want to get a club, maybe a seven or an eight iron in some cases, uh, that's going to get over the impediment that uh, I might be dealing with. Like you said, it might be the gook, but um, I want to make sure that I get lots of roll uh, with my chip. So sometimes I might have to take uh, a seven or eight iron to do that. And and I, I, get, I guess really the thing, Cindy, that a lot of people um, that I would like to see is I would like to see them spend much more time on things like chipping, uh, wedge play, and obviously putting, um, as I'm sure you do, than on their long game. I, I don't know how many times I'll just sort of sneak up to the range and, and you know hit some golf balls myself and chip and putt and do whatever, and I'll observe other people around. And it's amazing how many of them just you know grab a bucket of balls, they'll go up to the to the tee, uh, teeing area, and they'll just hit you know a bucket or so of balls and then maybe go to the putting surface and make you know three four five putts and they might hit a couple of shots out of a bunker or what have you and then they'll go to the first tee to, to play their round and then they wonder why they collapse part way out uh you know in there and it's because they're spending 85 percent or more of their time on their long game what do you suggest and what do you try to instill in your students minds to say, let's flip that a little bit, not necessarily have to spend 85% on the putting green or, or around the green, but how do you say, look, more of your effort needs to be in this area of the game than this area? What do you try to instill into them, and how do you convince them, if you will, to do that? Well, I don't think you really can convince them until they feel enough pain. Uh, so, again, <laughs> I think that they, you know, they need to be miserable enough if you will, to realize that if they just were able to get it up and down and how many shots they're losing by not being able to get it on the green, especially when, you know, if they can't reach the green in regulation, if you can get on the green in one over regulation and two putt, you can shoot 90. So when you're 30 or 40 yards away from the green and you in two and you make a six or a seven, that's ridiculous. Because even if you're yeah. 110 and you can swing, you can get it on the green and two putt. So that's my two cents. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's that's great. Uh, you know, you're exactly right. I, I think that a lot of people. This is what always amazes me is you know, you will see a player get to the green in two, or certainly close to the green in two, and then shoot like you said, a, a six or a seven or even a, a snowman, which is of course an eight. And you'll sit there and scratch, and you've just, you know, you've just wasted four or five or six shots around the green. And they still don't get or understand the fact that if they would work on these short game uh, shots, as we've uh, indicated here this morning, that they can increase the percentage of, of saves on, on a hole like that. I mean, if they can get there in two, they can obviously hit a decent shot. So they don't need to be working constantly or the majority of their time on their long game where they're losing it is around the green and uh, you know it, it just it's like uh driving a, a tent stake in uh with a marshmallow uh it's just not going to happen <laughs> and first i mean i mean that's i know that's a terrible yeah, that was good, terrible that metaphor, was good. but but it's tr but it's true i mean you know you need you need a, a mallet to, to drive a tent peg in and you know you see people out there with a marshmallow and it's just they don't get it they don't understand and it doesn't matter what you say to them how you uh, talk to them and I think what a lot of it is, is and, and, I, and I can relate to this a little bit it can be at times if you don't you know use a little bit of imagination it can get a little boring uh, it's not as exciting as you know thrashing a, a, a long drive out there 250 or 275 or even 300 yards for, for the big hitters uh, it's not as exciting but What's more exciting is coming in to the 19th hole with your buddies and you've got a, a, a par 72 circled or, or, or even a 75 on your scorecard as opposed to a 95. And they just don't seem to understand that you can literally shave 20 strokes off your game very easily by just getting out there and working on your short game. The last one I'm going to throw in here and then we're going to have to get ready for our special guest this morning um, is the putting yips. Um, we've all had them at times. 
Uh, Cindy, I'm sure you've had them. I know nobody, some people don't like to even talk about it, uh, but I think we've got to address that. Um, what are your thoughts there? Um, what in your mind causes that? And um, what are some things that you try to do to help or would suggest to golfers that may be suffering uh, a little bit with that? Um, my, my son, our son, had the yips when he was in college. And really what it is is fear. And yes. we sent him to a couple of different places to help him get over the putting yips. And what we did was Debbie Cruz, who's amazing. I love Debbie Cruz. She's a Ph.D., professor at Arizona State, and she's an LPGA teaching professional. She, he went there and spent the weekend with her. And mm. what she said was you, she's done all kinds of research with the Mayo Clinic on the yips and that you have to yep. trick your brain. Your brain, mm-hmm. it's like an anchor when you get the yips and you can't get out of it unless you trick your brain. So she told him to change putters change his grip, change all kinds of things just to trick his brain. And, and I must tell you, it worked. He came back uh, from that adventure, and he birdied the last hole in a college tournament at Augusta State to beat Webb Simpson by one. He shot 70-64-70. So I can tell you that wow. it really did work, and she helped him get over the yips. But I think you also have to um, – you have to – be aware, don't deny that you have them. And, and one thing that Hubert Green told my husband, Alan, is grip it a little tighter with the palm of your right hand or your back hand and really, really let it, you know, grip it tight. And that seemed to help as well. Yeah, just very quickly, I'll, I'll, I'll just add to that. Um, I think that you do uh, – that was some great advice that she gave uh, your son. I think sometimes you have to make those those changes um, just to, as you said, trick your brain. Um, a lot of people at some point um, will have something similar. Uh, it may not be uh, completely the yips, but they'll have something similar happen where they lose confidence in their putting. And a lot of times it's they they're not – focusing on the right areas. For instance, um, you know, they, they don't sort of put any thought into their, their practice routine. They'll get up there and they'll hit, a, you know, two or three long putts to, to, to stimulate a lag putt. Then they'll get in there about three to four feet from the hole and figure, well, if I just sink three or four of these things here, that'll give me some confidence. And really what you want to be focusing on is focusing on the speed of your putts because you want to understand – when you go to a golf tournament, you want to understand the speed of the greens, what you're going to be dealing with. The aiming and so forth um, is something, in my opinion, is secondary. Because if you don't have the speed right, you can aim perfectly every single time. But if the speed's incorrect, you're either going to be short or you're going to be extremely long every time. And I think that once you have the speed, um, you can make very subtle adjustments to your aiming and be success- a successful putter. Um, but the speed is crucial. And if you talk to most uh, putting coaches, they'll tell you how, how paramount it is to have your speed down more so than even your aiming. Um, I don't know if you agree or disagree with that, but I found that once a, a player is confident with the speed of their putts, um, it's much easier to get them to aim uh, a little bit better, whether their feet are slightly open as Nicholas used to do uh, or others that maybe have a, a little bit more close stance. Um, that's irrelevant. Whatever's comfortable for you is, is what will work for the individual golfer. But the speed, in my opinion, is one of the most important things to make uh, in making a good putter. Uh, what are your thoughts quickly, and then we'll, uh, we'll bring Christine on. And distance control, again, is utmost of importance. Yeah. Absolutely. Distance control. Yeah. And that, that falls, of course, with, with the speed uh, of your putts. Um, these are just uh, some quick things that we wanted to talk about. Obviously there's a whole myriad of things about the short game, but Cindy and I can't emphasize enough folks is um, especially for some of you newer golfers out there. If you're going to spend time um, out on the, on the practice tee um, that's an area putting green around the green uh, chipping, you know, some of your wedge play and your putting are the areas that 
uh, we can't emphasize enough is where you need to spend a lot of your time. Uh, certainly you need to work on your long game, and those are uh, things and techniques that you can work with your teaching professional. Um, but when you have a practice session uh, on your own, those are things that you want to be working on because that's going to help your numbers out on the golf course. Um, on that note, Cindy, let's uh, introduce uh, our very special guest this morning. Uh, her name is Christina Thompson. She's the CEO and founder of GolfForHer.com, uh, which is an online pro shop dedicated solely uh, to women's golf. Uh, she's an avid golfer herself. Christina uh, says she was tired of seeing the same styles of women's golf clothes uh, everywhere she went so she decided to take matters uh, in her own hands and of course uh, she put it the rest is history uh, by partnering directly with some top designers and brands uh, she has created an online shopping experience where women can shop uh, uh, curated a collection of styles that blend the perfect uh, balance of performance and style uh, golf for her has grown rapidly since its inception in 2010 and was ranked as the ninth fastest growing retailer on pinterest uh, Christine has been outfitting thousands of female golfers with styles that allow them to express their personal and performance needs uh, from weekend hackers to the LPJ Tour players. Uh, so without further ado, let's uh, welcome our very special guest this morning, CEO and founder of uh, GolfForHer.com, Christina Thompson. Good morning. Good, good morning. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. I'm We're, so excited about what you're doing. Tell us, tell us, <laughs> tell us. Well, I'm really excited to hear that um, that people are excited about women's golf clothes and having more options and places to shop for them. So, um, yeah, so in a nutshell, it's golf for her, and it's the number four is a, you know, it's a great online, well, I believe it's a great online uh, website for women to have a dedica- dedicated place to come and shop for you know, the latest trends in women's golf fashion accessories, and now we're pulling in some gear. Wow. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I used to have, well, I still have a shirt business, and I did embroidery. I used to custom applique stuff, and I sold things at Augusta and all this other stuff, so I absolutely love clothes. I love what you're doing, and I'm so impressed. It's awesome. So how did you you start it? Well, I'm an avid golfer, and I started playing golf back in, wow, it's about 17 years now. And I've always been a little bit of a nonconformist when it comes to clothes. I mean, I went to my high school and my grade school. You know, I had to wear uniforms, and I always hated being told what to wear. So then, you know, bringing golf into my life, you know, there was always these rules around dress code and what you can wear. And, you know, I, as a, you know, I'm I'm tall, and I was you know, always rather lanky, and I always had a hard time finding golf clothes that actually fit my body and made me feel comfortable. So when I started playing golf, I was really challenged with finding something that I wanted to wear, wanted to wear in sport, and um, it almost derailed me from actually continuing to play golf because I absolutely hated the golf clothes that I would wear and hated the fabrics. I just hated the fit. And then, um, but you know, I continue playing because I, I do, I love the sport. And then, you know, as I, you know, I don't belong to a country club, so I wasn't privy to country club shopping. So I didn't, you know, have access to shopping. And then I would look, you know, in local shopping malls here in New Jersey and just really challenged with finding great things. And then as I started playing, my husband and I were traveling a lot playing golf and I would go into these different clubs or different locations and see some pretty neat golf clothes. And I said, hmm, this is interesting. I'm like, there are golf clothes out there, but I don't have access to them because (laughs) I don't live in Florida. I don't live in Southern California. I don't live where these hotbeds of golf, you know, outlets and, and stores are. So, you know, through as, you know, I continue playing golf, I'm like, you know what? I think I need to I need I need to do something. And obviously in New Jersey we're not, you know, we don't have a very long golf season. So it didn't make sense to open up a store. But I started thinking, wait a second, I'm a marketer. I've always been a, that's been my profession. And I thought, you know what, wait, there's got to be an option to do something online. And this is really when online shopping really started to become very popular. And I don't know, I just kind of poked my nose around. I headed down to the PGA merchandise show back in 2000 and nine or ten and realize like oh my god there are so many great clothes out there wait I need to pull this all together in one spot because I know I cannot be the only female golfer who is having a hard time finding really great fun golf clothes and honestly the rest was really history it just kind of came together and I launched the business in 2010 I have never looked back it's been 
so much fun uncovering new styles for women. So let me ask you, do you um you don't store all this stuff? How do you how do you fill no. the orders? Yeah, so what's pretty exciting is just the evolution of online shopping. And so Golf for Her, you know, we we are an online pro shop. We have customers that are around the world and we do stock I mean we do have brands of tons of different brands on the website, but you know, stocking it is a little challenging, especially for a small business. Um, our model is set up as a dropship model, so customers can come to our website, okay. they shop all of the different brands that we have, and then what we've done is partnered with all the top designers, small designers, big designers, and what happens is they actually will ship the merchandise directly to our customers for us. So we are oh, able to God. offer more colors. Yeah, more colors, more sizes, more, you know, more options, more collections. So you're not limited to just a few pieces. You have more options to shop for, you know, your own personal needs. So it's been a really fun way to shop. And, you know, honestly, everyone's shopping online now. Well, a majority of people are shopping online. So they're used to getting, you know, shopping online, getting packages, multiple packages. So it's been a very interesting evolution in the online e-commerce world, and I'm glad to be a part of it. That's awesome. Let me just add, this is Ted, uh, Christine, by the way. Let me just add very quickly to that. Um, This obviously gives you a big advantage, really, over to a lot of of your competitors out there by not having to... Because uh, one of the one of the yeah one of the issues that a lot of the the box stores uh, uh, retailers have is having to carry a lot of stock, so there's increased overhead. So you virtually have really no overhead, correct? For, for the most part, I mean, compared to traditional, yeah, correct. And what's been what's really great and is. In general, I mean, when you go into a pro shop, you have very there's very limited selection for women, right? So no matter if you go into some of the big box stores or into your local yeah. pro shop, the selection is always smaller. And if you think of that, the reason being is there's a lot of variables that go into that. And the number of female golfers that are out there are it is smaller than men. So it makes sense that if you're going to have a brick and mortar store, regardless of the size of it it's going to equate to the number of, you know, men versus women who are playing golf. But then you start looking at it going, well, you know, now you're at a pro shop and, you know, you might have 60 women at your, at your club, but then they're all shopping off of the same rack. And, you know, unless you're playing in a, in a tournament, you really don't want to wear the same clothes that the other women at your club are wearing too. So, you know, but the clubs are kind of in a, in a, a sticky you know, position there where they really can't bring in so much inventory because there's really not enough demand for it in their shop. So unless you're a, you know, a specialty pro shop where it's a destination like Pebble Beach or where you're really able to sell a lot of merchandise to put the logo on it, your local pro shops are really challenged. And then you go into a big box store, and again, it's the same, you know, mathematics that go into determining the you know, the percentage of women's clothes versus men, and you always will end up with a smaller amount of options. But at Golf for Her, we are 100% dedicated to women. So we are able to offer, you know, the entire Adidas collection, the entire Puma collection, all of the, you know, all of the brands, and we can offer them all year round. So sometimes if you're up north, it's hard to find, you know, a sleeveless shirt in the middle of the winter for your travel down south, you know, maybe to go on vacation to go play golf. But, you know, being that we're online, we have access to all styles, all colors, all, you know, every collection that's available, when it's available, it's available on our site. So we've kind of been able to kind of navigate that and be able to offer women just, you know, access to golf clothes 365 days a year, which is really yeah, fun. And that, that's so that's amazing. A, yeah. Yeah, that gives you, as I said, a great advantage. And I like the fact, too, you know, you're exactly right. Uh, you know, even for the men, you go to a lot of the big box stores, and um, one of the issues I have, I'm a tall uh, individual as well. I'm six foot four and, and fairly slender. And one of the issues I have is trying to find my size um, in yeah. some of the, the products that they have. Is they're always sold out because they can't they can only carry so much inventory, and they're yeah. basing it on a percentage of 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 uh, you know the golfing population fits in this particular mold here. Um, where I like your concept is you have access to the full line of multiple lines, um, you know, 24-7, 365 days a year. So um, yeah. you have, as they change their trends or as they change 
um, their styles, uh, you're always you're always up to date. You don't have to worry about that. That's take, really taken care of for you. You're just basically a, a platform that allows them to come sort of a one-stop shop and see the best of everything available out there, and I like that. Um, yeah. What's some of the trends in, in women's golf fashion right now? What are some of the things that you're seeing um, uh, as the new season uh, comes into play? Yeah, it's crazy to think that summer is slowly coming to an end in the next couple in next week or so but um yeah fall fall styles are looking great they're already starting to hit um our our website now um uh, some of the style trends for fall golf fashion is you know i would say it's a little bit of a back to basics there's a lot of really beautiful soft color palettes that are happening right now a lot of pale pinks balanced out with classic navy, which is kind of taking over black, so navy is the new black. Um, Really warm colors like softer greens and oranges and tangerine colors are filtering their way through a lot of golf fashion um, as far as the color palettes. Um, We've got a lot of styles this season that have a little bit of that country club prep feel to it. Um, Really classic fits, a lot of designers are starting to make polos and you know they've been doing this the last few years but making polos that are fit and cut for the female body they're not so boxy as they have been in seasons past so the the evolution of shirts has been really great to see just really nice fabrics that designers are starting to blend a little bit of that cotton blend with a performance fabric you know we went through this big phase of everything being like super techie you know people think of like that nike techie fabric which is not that flattering on a lot of bodies and so they've started <laughs> you know I'm yeah. going with that Cindy. <laughs> But, you know, so it's not, you know, it's a great idea, and I think it's great because, you know, golf is a sport that you sweat and you need to be very comfortable in. So those moisture-wicking fabrics, you know, are very popular, and they're going to maintain and, you know, stay within um, in golf fashion. But, you know, I think designers are realizing, wait, we can't be just all techie fabric. We need to figure out how to bring a, a little bit more of a forgiving fabric, something that has a lot of more of a cotton feel, where softer, not so shiny, but still perform like some of those, you know, performance uh, fabrics. So I'm seeing a lot of designers bringing in some cotton, like a cotton feel shirt into their, into their collections. Um, you know, eye-catching prints are still really popular and aren't going away. I think in women, I mean, I love, I love fun, bright patterns and prints in skirts, and that is a trend that we're seeing more of. Um, and one of the interesting things I'm noticing in, in, in bottoms is two things. One, designers are making a, several brand, uh, several styles with a little bit more of a tummy control and slimming, you know, uh, design and fabrics to make them, and they're very comfortable to wear. A lot of pull-on styles are becoming very popular instead of the traditional you know, zipper fly and, and snap closures. They're very easy to wear. You can wear them on and off the golf course. So I think versatility is really important when you're buying golf clothes. And another option, another thing I'm seeing is designers offering multiple lengths in their skirts. So, you know, instead of That's traditionally having idea. all... Yeah. And, and, you know, again, I'm 5'10". So, you know, an 18-inch skirt on me is going to look different than an 18-inch skirt on someone who's 5'2". And when you yeah. think, yeah. So imagine the average woman, I mean, it's, it's going, it, you know, it looks different. So a lot of designers are offering shorter and longer lengths and then even like a longer club length. So there's designers are starting to see that, you know, just because, you know, a club says you have to have an 18-inch skirt. I mean, is it really 18 inches or does it need to be to your knee? Because our knee you know, our heights are different. So it's nice to have more options. And when we're, women are begin, beginning to understand that and see that and making different choices on um, some of the golf bottoms that they're purchasing. So that's really exciting to see. And there's also actually, a, um, you know, a lot of designers that are offering now a 2XL. So we're offering extended sizes too, um, more than we have in the past. So, you know, there's the petites. So designers are offering double zeros. And then they're also now offering a 2XL. And then there are a few designers now who are offering even a plus size 1X, 2X, and 3X sizes too. So there's more options. I mean, we're, we're golfers. We come in all shapes and sizes and we need golf clothes to fit our personal needs. So it's good to see that. That's a nice trend and I hope it doesn't stop. <laughs> For sure. 
Um, Christine, let me ask you. Let me ask you something. Uh, obviously, we know that your website's geared for for women and that. But what's sort of the demographic within that? What's the um, if I don't know if you have a way of monitoring it or not uh, through your system, but um, the the age demographic. What's the predominantly the age group uh, purchasing through your site, and does it sort of encompass all all uh, ages uh, for for women? Because this is a problem I hear with um, a lot of the mature women out there. Is that a lot of the uh, retailers that are sort of gearing for the younger uh, generation, and there's not there's limited um, availability for them um is that something that you're able to, to sort of overcome and, and and have something for a little for everybody or or what how do you focus things yeah you know it's a great question i get asked that a lot um you know the reason why we called the website golf for her it's because it's for her and and women who are golfers they come in all ages there's junior girls there's women in their 20s and women who are, you know, more mature women who are in their 60s and 70s who are playing golf. And we all have different needs. And there hasn't been a a great place to be able to shop all of those um, different requirements. And so, I mean, I would say that our true demographic is probably a female between the ages of, you know, 35 and 65. I mean, that's a pretty wide demographic, but we have women of all ages that shop with us. And that is also why we don't, we're very selective in the brands that we do carry. And we don't focus just on one genre of, you know, apparel to meet one small group of female golfers. I mean, we want more women to play golf. And if I can introduce women of a younger age or an older age to play golf and just be able to say, Hey, look at our website. We've got so many different things. There's guaranteed to be something there for you. That's what we do. So we're, you know, we do have some brands that are a little, you know, a little shorter, maybe a little more flirty, a little bit more youthful. But then we do have some brands right. that are a little bit more conservative. So, you know, a little bit longer skirts, um, shirts with a little bit more of a arm coverage, you know, maybe to the elbow. Um, we have apparel that, you know, is, offers wonderful sun protection that give women, you know, better coverage, you know, uh, throughout, you know, when they're out in the sun and who are very sensitive and, you know, concerned about skin cancer and making sure that they stay sun safe. So we have a variety of different types of brands. So we're not, you know, gearing towards the younger women, but we're also not gearing towards the, you know, traditional female golfer that I think a lot of people think of when they think of women's golf clothes. So, you know, that we have at any given time, I think, 20,000 products on the website. So there's something wow. for everyone on there. So, and every day we get in, you know, I uncover a great new designer that we're trying to bring into the mix that, you know, will round out the offering. So we're always looking for something new, but um, like I said, you know, our demographic is, you know, the core is kind of in that range, but it's not limited. Mm-hmm. We understand that women, there's women who are, that have requirements for the golf club that they play at. And then we've got women who are just learning and they really don't have to abide by the really super strict dress code rules of their club. So they have a little flexibility in their clothes. So we realize that women are coming from all different places and we want to be able to provide a, a really fun shopping experience for them and to be able to l- offer a little bit of everything for everybody. Wow, that's Does fantastic. That um, Cindy, go <laughs> Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. Cindy, well, go ahead. I just think, why would you want to eliminate anyone? I mean, you right. want the younger fish, and you you want the younger uh, customer and the older customer. You want everybody. Yeah, say, the more yeah, women who play golf, the better for everything. And and I live in Buffalo, so I hear what yeah. you're saying. <laughs> I go down to Orlando because our daughter and son-in-law work at the Golf Channel, and I go to the PGA Superstore, and it's like I'm a pig in poop there. I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> look at what we've got. And nobody right? carries this in <laughs> Buffalo, and that so to know that I, know. I can get whatever I want from you, that's awesome. Yep. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I have to say, you know, every every January when I get to go down to the PGA show, I get so excited. You would think that we were going on like a, you know this exotic vacation. I go down there, and I'm like, oh, look, I wish everyone can see everything that's here. It's just so fun to see the really neat brands that are out there and for women, and it's 
fun. It's and I try to encourage women to look at golf and look at golf clothes as fun too because you can, you know, you can express a lot of your personality through what you, you know, what you uh, tee it up in. So it's good to have options. We definitely are. That's our focus. <laughs> we all need options. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh wow, Cindy, go ahead. Yeah. So you you have some ambassadors on the tour, and sure do. Finished in the top ten. Tell us about who they are and what they do, and. Yeah, well, you know, I think one you of the also things, have Myra. Do you have Myra on your Myra Blackwilder? Yes. Well, you know, uh, real quick story. So when I launched the business back in 2010, one of the, you know, I was at the PGA show, and one of the very first people I ever met in this golf industry that we're in was Mallory Blackwelder, which was is Myra's daughter, and Mallory came on as our brand ambassador within weeks of launching the business back in 2010. So Mallory has been with, has been a part of the golf for her fiber since day one. And so obviously I, you know, I'm, I know Myra very well and so excited to see her playing out there on the legends tour. And, you know, uh, yeah. So we've been wardrobing her and giving her some clothes too. So you can see, we can do mother daughter. I mean, we've got Mallory that we're dressing, you know, she's another big break alum with yourself and, you know, with Myra, so it shows the full range of, you know, fashion options that are out there. But um, so right now we have we have some really great women, and, we, you know, we have a great team of ambassadors that are out there really representing women's golf and who are, you know, they're smart, they're athletic, they're driven. And I just think that's really what some young girls need to see right now and to realize you can be a, a great female athlete. And so – we have on the LPGA tour right now, we are the apparel sponsor for Marina Alex, who is our local Jersey girl who's on the LPGA tour, uh, Tiffany Joe, Jane Park, and Mo Martin, who is the 2014 oh British champ. Yep. So Jane, Marina, and Mo all were, uh, had great finishes, finishes this past week at the Canadian Pacific Women's Open. Uh, Marina actually, I think, had her, I think her best career finish at T3 this weekend and Mo and Jane also finished mm-hmm. top 10. So that was a, that was fun rooting for team golf for her up in uh, Canada. It was easy to follow them on the leaderboard. <laughs> um, but we also, we also have, uh, we've also, you know, we started off doing having our ambassadors from this on the Symmetra tour. And, you know, for us, it's really important to help give these women options or, you know, options to, you know, financial help, you know, to help them. Because it is really hard. I mean, these you know, the girls on the Symmetra Tour, it's really hard to compete, and they have to spend a lot of money to get to where they want to go. So, you know, we've always been the apparel sponsor for several Symmetra Tour players, and, you know, I know every little bit helps them. So um, right now on tour we have Madison Pressel, who is Morgan Pressel's younger sister, who's on the Symmetra Tour, Carolyn Westrup, who is also Symmetra Tour LPGA Tour player. But then we also have this arsenal of additional ambassadors that have all been a part of golf for her over the last seven years, such as Mallory Blackwelder, Anya Alvarez, Stephanie Knoyer, Nicole Smith, Sarah, No H, Brown. I mean, these are all big break alum too. So, but, you know, it's been so fun getting to meet the girls, seeing them and really rooting for them and look, seeing how hard it really is to have a career as a professional golfer and, um, the the money isn't there for them, and it's really hard. So, you know, anything we can do to help them alleviate some of their financial burden is kind of what we've, you know, we've done. And we want to see more women playing golf. So they've always been That's a part awesome. of our family, and they always will be. They're not going – they're they're in for life. <laughs> That's great. But it is fun having, you know, yeah, t- no, Tiffany, Marina, Jane, and Mo have been just – are such great ambassadors for the sport. Um and I really, we always encourage everyone to get out there and go to an LPGA event, go follow these girls, and really get to get a feel for the power and the strength that they have, and that unfortunately sometimes over gets overlooked. And um, I think you'd be really impressed, you know, if they if people go out and follow <laughs> them and really see what what they can do. I mean, Mo, I think, is the most accurate tour player, male or female, like Green's hit. I mean, she's got some crazy great yeah, stats. Always in, I, yeah, yeah, she really does. And she's such a nice person. So I used to do oh. a lot of stuff with Symmetra Tour. And uh, 
one of our students, Renee Sobolewski, is was a teammate of Marina's. So I played with Marina yep. here in Buffalo with Renee, and they're just they're great girls, and they just they yeah. really work hard, and they may not yep. be household names, but they're definite competitors, and they can play this game better than most. Oh, for sure, <laughs> awesome. for sure, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, and you know, it's it's nice to have you know, so many great representatives of any business, but particularly uh, with what you do, because you obviously get to see it each and every week when they're out there, they're wearing a lot of the clothes that you know that they're uh, getting through golf for her. And um, so that obviously makes you feel a little extra proud as well that, uh, that you're doing something to give back to the game uh, on your end as well. I just want to close and uh, if we can very quickly, because I think it is important. I know this was something that you mentioned in the notes that you sent to us. And I think it's, it's, it just epitomizes really the strength um, that you have to have sometimes in life. Um, shortly after, of course, you launched your business, you were diagnosed with uh, stage three colon cancer. And then about a year later, you had uh, endometrial cancer as well. Tell us a little bit about um, what you obviously went through and, and what sort of kept you focused uh, on, on through your journey there. Yeah, you know, it was about 18 months after we after I launched the business and that I was diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer and you know, you can't sugarcoat it. It's awful. It sucked. It's it's not fun. I mean, it was 6 months of, you know, pretty intense chemotherapy, but during that time, you know, I learned a lot about myself and you know, I used golf as my mechanism to you know, focus on something else other than what I was, the medical situation I was going through. And, right. you know, I, I played golf every, every chance I could get. You know, I would play early in the morning when I was feeling really great. And it gave me four hours. And I don't know how I made it four hours, but I would play four, four and a half hours of golf. And it gave me something to think of outside of, you know, oh, I got to go to my chemo treatments tomorrow or the next day. But it wasn't easy. I mean, honestly, I think I played the best golf of my life during that period. But, you know, it was something that really, it was my husband still laughs at the scores I was, you know, I was putting down because he's like, you're playing the best golf you've ever played. Um, but, you know, it, it really helped me focus. I mean, golf is such a great sport. It is such, it, you know, it brought me together with a lot of friends and family that I hadn't seen. So you would say, hey, you want to go play golf? Sure, let's go play golf. So it was, it was a great tool. And I'm not going to say it saved my life, because I, but it was definitely something that I had to lean back on during a really difficult time and also made me focus more on doing things and being with the people that I cared mm-hmm. the most about and spending, you know, ensuring that I spent quality time with them. And I was able to do that around golf. And during that time period, I developed great friendships that, you know, have, you know, continue to be great friends. And they're, they're my golf girls that I go out with all the time. And, you know, golf is a, is a great sport for that. And it, you know, people don't realize it and they think of it, oh, my God, it's four hours. I'm going to waste four hours. Well, there's not many things you can do in life that you can go spend four hours with your close friends and family and with very limited, you know, distractions. So golf was very important to me during that time period. And it's still is and that's why we really encourage women to take up the sport and figure out a way to make it part of their life and um you know i am very grateful for for having golf in my life and give me a little bit of a distraction <laughs> during that time so it was, it was very special to me yeah and and it was a great story and I, yeah and i'm glad that you shared it with us and i'm glad that you allowed us to share it with uh, with our audience as well and we're grateful that um, obviously you're in a better place now. Um, just for the last moment or two, if you want to share with the folks uh, how they can um, get in touch with, uh, obviously uh, give them your website uh, and uh, let them know maybe if some things coming up in the, in the next little bit that maybe you want to make them aware of. Um, the floor is yours. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, we invite everyone to swing by golfforher.com. It's golf the number four her.com and um, you know, take a poke around if there's anything that you know, have questions with, if anyone needs assistance navigating the site, we have a great 
customer concierge team that is here to help. You can always ask for me. Our contact information is all on the website. You can reach out to myself or our team here, and we'll be happy to help. Uh, we've got loads of new products that are coming onto the website, especially getting ready for the holiday season. So we'll be doing a lot of special promotions. So you, know, you want to make sure you sign up on the mailing list so you can get all of our promotions. We've got some special deals that are going on. And we are also doing a series of um, golf clinics here in New Jersey and around the country over the next few months. So, you know, look for our Say Yes to Golf initiative. So you'll be able to stay in, you know, in the loop as far as, you know, some upcoming golf clinics and special programs that we have for the women to get them out playing golf. Awesome. But it's golf Perfect. number four. Well, thank you, um, <laughs> Christina, for joining. Yeah, thank you, uh Thank you, Christina, for joining Cindy and I this morning on the Women of Golf Show. It's uh, it's been a pleasure to uh, to have you join us, and we we hope that you'll join us again in the future um, for another uh, broadcast. But uh, keep up the the great work. It sounds like you've got a phenomenal um, business that you're offering uh, so many of the, the female golfers out there, both new and old. Uh, and and um, please keep up the the great work. And uh, again, thank you for being our, our guest this morning. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. All right. You have you a too. You're right. Bye-bye. All right. That was our very special guest, Christina Thompson, the CEO and founder of GolfForHer.com. That's the number four, her.com. Uh, please check out the website. Uh, certainly a lot of great things. I've, I've been on it myself. Unfortunately, I can't buy anything for me, but um, a lot of great uh, gift ideas on there, of course, for, uh, for that uh, young female golfer uh, that you may have in your family. So um, check it out. And a lot of great stuff there. And as I mentioned earlier, Cindy and I will not be back uh, next week, which is September 5th. Um, Cindy's got some things that she's going to be doing. I've got some things as well uh, that I'm going to be doing. So we will be back on September 12th will be the next broadcast that we will air. But in the meantime, thank you, everybody, for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf Show. Uh, We appreciate it always for you faithfully tuning in. And uh, we look forward to bringing another great show in a couple of weeks. So Thanks, Cindy. As always, uh, God bless everybody, and thank you for joining us on the Women of Golf. Take care. Thanks, Todd. Bye-bye. Bye.